0: Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, going to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than David Schuster, TYT contributor, Rebel HQ and Bran Palumbo, fee.org correspondent, national review contributor. We're going to chop it up about inflation and billionaires getting taxed fairly. Should be an interesting debate. Let me give you a major update. Remember just a few days ago. Right here on Indisputable, we reported on the fact that APD officers had a point system, they had a point system per arrest. If you arrested someone for a felony, you got five points, a juvenile, you got five points. If it was a traffic ticket, you got 1.25 points. If you responded to a service related call, you only got 0.25 points. Well. The chief of police has now announced his retirement from the city of Atlanta. I'm gonna give you some background to the story that's quite significant. Let me first start with a note from the street groomers of Georgia, an organization that is a well respected advocacy group. They said, and I quote, Atlanta police targeting and arresting citizens based on the point system is inhumane and unjust. Since this story broke, we have been hearing the outrage from community residents. We are thankful that Dr. Rashad Ritchie brought this story to the masses. So many viewers and listeners reached out to our city officials to express their disdain. Just two days after this story got our attention, the Atlanta police chief announced his retirement. City officials are telling us that the policing by points program will be no more. This is a step in the right direction. We will continue to monitor this situation and provide updates to the community. Now I received a call when this first um, happened, when the story broke. I got a call that evening off record from one of Mayor Andre Dickens staff members. I will not reveal the name because the phone call was made in confidence. Here's the mayor of Atlanta, he's new, he's only been there for roughly 100 days. The mayor obviously took swift action when this story hit the media. I wanna say this uh, to the mayor. Thank you for doing the right thing here, but we still have more work to do. Big ups to everybody who supports this program, who supports Indisputable because of you, because of the power of the platform due to you. You make this platform what it is and so many of you reached out to the city of Atlanta, to the police department and to members of council and something got done quickly, all right? After 34 years serving the city, Atlanta Police Chief Rodney Bryant has announced his retirement. Let's put up a picture of the long serving police official. That is Chief Bryant. He announced his retirement. Mayor Dickens said in a statement I am thankful that the chief agreed to stay on for my first 100 days as mayor, and I have grown to rely on the chief's counsel during our daily meetings. We will miss the chief's leadership as he enjoys a well earned retirement. Now, let me say this. According to individuals that have insight directly connected to the administration, they were already considering having this chief retire. That was a consideration. The fact that this story hit when it hit did speed this reality up and it made it final, but there's more, all right? Former police officer who would only talk to CBS 46 investigates, which is the local Atlanta affiliate. Said officers are awarded credits for points based on their actions each shift. Now, I wanna remind everyone, they are required to get eight points per shift. Eight points per shift. So if you lock up one juvenile and write two traffic tickets, you meet your quota. The deputy chief, City of Atlanta deputy chief came out and initially defended this program saying that it was a way to track the progress and to make cops accountable to the taxpayer dollar. Well that doesn't make sense because really you can arrest one juvenile, right? And write two tickets and then you cannot work for the rest of the day as long as you got your eight points. That seems adversarial to a work evaluation procedure or measure, right? There's more, (coughs) the cop who went on record said, and I quote, for example, writing a ticket earns APD officers 1.5 points while a felony or a juvenile arrest, is worth five points. Meanwhile, calls for service. What is a call for service? De-escalation, talking somebody off of a bridge from committing suicide. Get your cat out the tree, calls for service. Which include 911 calls are only worth 0.25 points, only 0.25 points. You would have to do damn near 30 community service calls <clears throat> to make your eight points, which means when the 911 dispatcher says, We have a community call and they give the address. Do you know how many police officers respond to it? Not many and by the time they do, maybe two, three hours later. Why? Because they are not incentivized in this program, there's more. The cop who went on record said and I quote, I'm not going to lie. If I think the person has the finances to pay for it, I will stack those tickets. The former APD officer said this officer was with the department for 20 years. I found out more information. This thing goes back to 2003. 2003, Milwaukee police said they've never done it. Baltimore police went on record and said they haven't done this. So many police agencies across the country contacted by me and other news outlets said this is not a program we have ever done. There's more. Does this system encourage officers to do police work that earns them more points, Polanski asks. That is the investigative reporter. The cop responded, "Oh yeah, absolutely, because I might decide to sit somewhere in the cut and wait for somebody to glide through stop signs, especially a stop sign that I know people are definitely going to miss. I will sit there for my points, the former officer told the reporter. There was another officer who sent a message directly and had this to say. I was an Atlanta police officer assigned to zone one and oversaw juvenile crimes. We had to make at least one arrest per week of a juvenile no matter what. Another APD officer called my radio show today, the Rashad Ridge Morning Show. He said, and I quote, not only did APD command staff punish us for not obtaining the eight points per shift, they would take away our days. Off. I found something else, I found a story on WSB TV news in 2013. 2013 attorneys representing a woman who was suing the Atlanta police in 2013 over mistaken identity say they uncovered evidence of a dangerous quota system, the attorneys got wind of a quota system. They uncovered the evidence in 2013. My sources tell me this traces all the way back to 2003. They got caught in 2013. What happened? One of the three officers who said there was an arrest quota system. You had a whistleblower. He said there was an arrest quota system was fired over allegations that he was not truthful, not over failure to meet quotas the office provided a recent sworn statement from the officer suggesting officers were even encouraged to exceed quotas with the promise of pizza and movies at headquarters on occasion. So what what were the penalties? According to multiple police officers, the penalties were this, you got assignments that were not desirable, you could not take your days off. You also, if you did these points, you got publicly praised, you got promoted, to command staff, you got more money. You got to do overtime, and you got popcorn and pizza. Okay, all right. Since 2003, this has been happening, according to multiple cops who went on record with me today. They want to remain anonymous because they're afraid of their coworkers. Uh, they're afraid of the police, and so they don't want you to know that they're talking about police. Well, as it stands today. As it stands today, according to street groomers and multiple officials that have spoken out about this. This policing by point system will be no more, David thoughts.
1: First of all, congratulations, and obviously we got to wait and make sure that they actually follow through. That's right. Congratulations to you, Dr. Ritchie, on exposing this. This is um, this is. I mean, look, this is the, the policing by quota system is abhorrent, and and I understand. I understand that when you have a job where police, I suppose, could be very lazy, or they could sleep on the job, or they could not be very efficient, or they could use their discretion in ways that are not productive. You want to incentivize them to actually catch the lawbreakers, to catch the bad guys, but also you want to incentivize them to help the community. And this quota system wasn't doing it. What they should have done years ago, they could have gone to some human resource expert and said, "How do we do this? How do we? How do other police departments incentivize the right behavior that helps the community?" And the fact that Atlanta hasn't been able to do this for so long is is very shocking. But I'm just I'm relieved that the reporting on all of this is finally starting to change
0: things. You know, very well said. And I spoke with one Atlanta police officer earlier this morning, and it was so fascinating. I said. Why is it that other police departments don't do this? But Atlanta feels like they have to, and he said it's just antiquated. It's something that's a relic from the past that individuals have not reformed for today. He also added a personal situation that uh, impacted him greatly. There was a woman, he called her a remarkable police officer. Within a 90 day period, she saved the life of two people. One of them made the news. She was able to successfully talk someone out of committing suicide. One was so high profile it was on a bridge in Atlanta and it made the local news that officer was fired. Because those types of interactions only awarded her 0.25 points. She saved a life twice within a span of 90 days. It took her all day, as you can imagine, to negotiate this person from killing themselves. So she goes back to the department, logs in her quota, her point system. She's at 0.25. Well, she ends up being fired that year for not making her point quota, according to this particular officer. And he said they've been telling command staff that this is egregious for a long time, now it's up in the public. A college cop has been exposed as being racist and anti-homeless community. Let's put up his picture. He was trying to do this in secret, but we got him now. This cop, college campus cop was secretly a racist and anti-homeless Reddit troll for years under the anonymity of the internet. University of Colorado Boulder police officer trolled Reddit threads with racist and anti-homeless posts for years. He said things like "effing gross ass tent towns, drugs and ish everywhere" because they don't want the police dealing with them. Seven-year veteran officer Drew Matthews is his name. Wrote in the r serve sub Reddit in a post three years ago. I say call in fire with the police and just spray the houses at them till they leave. Even if they don't get a shower, even if they don't get a shower out of it. University of Colorado um, officer Drew Matthews wrote that. Let's put his picture up one more time, okay, there he is, all right. But now a boulder based pro housing community group confirmed who was behind the offense? The offensive post, Matthews has been placed on paid administrative leave. He's also under internal investigation, paid administrative leave, all right? The posts highlighted are offensive and reprehensible according to the Colorado University Boulder Police Department. They said this in a statement early in the week. Department Chief Doreen Jokerst said the allegations against Matthews have been referred to the city's Office of Institutional Equity Compliance as well as the department's professional standards unit. Uh, that's according to news, CBS uh for Denver. Okay. Now, can I just say the obvious? Why does it take this much? Fire his ass. Fire him now. He needs to be fired. Okay? That's what needs to happen. Why is he not fired? Well, they will fall back on. Well, like I, you know, it's 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 the police union rules, damn them rules. This guy needs to go. If he is saying these things and you have already connected it, you all are supposed to be investigators. If you all have connected that he's saying these things in whatever format. Do you think he can actually police without bias? This is a lawsuit waiting to happen if it has not already happened. If you're looking for the poster child for defund the police, put his picture up again. That's the guy, that's the person that's going to defund the police right there. Him. all right, okay. In a series of tweets, safe access for everyone. Safe, a voter organization that does charity work and advocates for the rights of unhoused residents in the city. Shared more than a dozen screenshots of classist and racist posts from Matthews known as Reddit user u bocoram boko uh, 18. They are like cockroaches, he said immune to everything now. Matthews wrote uh, on about homeless people and replied to a post about vaccine requirement at a local theater in Boulder on the sub Reddit r Boulder. Uh, In a reply to a photo of black civil rights protesters being sprayed by hoses back in the 60s. This cop wrote and I quote, hey, they are getting a bath at the minimum. Okay, now I know some people will push back on this commentary when we post it on Facebook watch and YouTube and they will say things like, well doc, he's protected by the freedom of speech. He is, he is protected by the freedom of speech. which means he can say whatever the hell he wants to say without being arrested for it, okay? But as far as him holding a position of public trust, he signed a contract that's basically a morals clause and it is enforceable. And that morals clause when you become a police officer says these things you will not do. You will not do these things that obviously bring up reputation issues for you and the department. Cops can be fired for these things that has been upheld by the United States Supreme Court. All right, David thoughts on this. This guy is clearly not only just a racist and homophobe, but he's also a coward. If he thinks
1: yeah. he's so tough, why was he hiding behind some anonymous name or name that he thought would shield him? he should have just put out his own name. He should have said Drew and put it out there for everybody to say this is how I feel and then he could defend himself. But the idea that he could somehow think he would get away with this and that he's still being paid, he's still being paid while this is investigating. You're absolutely right. Law enforcement, all sorts of people have clauses that suggest what you can and cannot do on social media. Reddit is part of social media, just the fact that he was on there expressing hateful opinions, that should be enough to get him fired immediately. The foot dragging to me is is beyond is beyond shocking.
0: Yeah, it, it is uh, insane. I do believe that if a win, they look at this guy's record. They're going to see that he has race based assaults, allegations, etc, there's going to be bias in his policing. Now, when they find that, they should arrest him. They should arrest him for any uh, falsification on the police report. They should arrest him for any kind of violence against any person he was prejudiced against. They should arrest him for anything he has done to a homeless person that was outside of the bounds of civility. They should, but they won't, they won't. And let us not forget, This is a cop who has charge over a college campus. These are young people. This is not the person you want around your young person, all right? This is not the guy. Okay, a mother claims that a daycare ripped out her child's hair. Let's do it this way. I wanna put up a picture of the child's hair first, the multiple pictures we have, all right? I want you to look at that, okay? I want you to look at that, right? Now, let's put up a picture of the mother who's obviously upset. She should be. This is in Duluth, Georgia. A mother in Duluth is accusing employees at her child's former daycare of ripping the braids out of this two year old off of her head. The mother, let's keep her picture up. Her name is Kalen Brown. Ms. Brown says she was shocked and angered when she picked up her daughter and saw a ball patch in the back. Of of her head on top of the hair beads she came to school with removed. They were removed, all right? She said the story she was told by daycare officials did not add up. According to daycare officials, it all started with another student ripping the toddlers beads out. The statement, however, from Creekstone Daycare Academy said, they did notify her about the March 28th incident. And asked her not to put beads in her daughter's hair for safety reasons. Brown said because they showed no policy against beads. She continued to put them in her child's hair. But the next week when the two year old came home, she found bald patches in her scalp. When I did speak to the owner of this place, the mother said, he told me this was something that could have happened while my child was at home in my care. I really don't appreciate it and I'm very hurt, I'm very angry, she said. Brown said a day later, her two children were no longer enrolled at the daycare. A statement from Creekstone said it was the result of the Browns inappropriate behavior, screaming and yelling at the director. Well, let me say this, <laughs> all right, they're lucky that's all she did. I can't imagine the feeling of a parent, I'm a parent. I can't imagine somebody returning my child to me in a daycare, returning my child to me after daycare and my child's hair is ripped out along with her beans. All right, that would make me extremely upset, all right? The state officials confirmed they opened their investigation into the incident on Tuesday after a complaint was filed. Griffin said they take these complaints very seriously and the investigation could take up to 30 days. The president of Creekstone Daycare Academy, her name is Yvette Drake. I'm Yvette Drake, let's put up a picture, Buck stops with her. She's the person in charge of day to day management. We are expecting this to be a full and exhaustive and fair investigation to make sure we find out what happened to this child. I will say this, when a child has hair ripped out of their head, they cry, okay? They cry. You mean to tell me that this happened by way of another child? And nobody at the institution made a report informed. The parent said, hey, we have a medical issue here, this is what happened. None of that took place, doesn't add up to me either. All right, David, thoughts on this?
1: Look, we had an incident a couple of years ago where our son, when he was in um, the equivalent of a daycare, uh, he came home and he had a perfectly round bite mark on his arm, uh, and we were horrified. And so my wife and I, we went and spoke to the teacher, and the teachers were very understanding, they were very sympathetic, and they very gently said, you know, this we think this is something that he was doing to himself, and we don't, we didn't see another student do it. But and we were like, oh no, he would never do that to himself because we're protective as parents. But it turns out that, yeah, he he was biting himself. And th- the difference in all of this was that the teachers were empathetic. They were understanding. They knew that something had happened that wasn't appropriate. And they were trying to be very understanding to us as parents. And as a result, there was a conversation, there was a communication, it was all respectful, and we got the matter resolved. It sounds like in this case, there was such an adversarial nature of this daycare to the mother to begin with. And instead of appreciating how angry she was and how upset she was, they decided, well, we're just gonna. I mean, fire with fire. No, that's not your job. Your job is to be empathetic and understanding.
0: You're taking care of children. Yep. Listen, I can't tell you how many times um, as a professor uh, I've been in a position where there's a student. A student has been wronged by the institution. Student gets in touch with me. Mom gets in touch with me, okay? Now, of course, when you're in college, you're an adult technically, but you're not. Right, and I have been the advocate for the student and that family at the institution. Now, is it a risk? Of course there's a risk, but why else would you serve in the capacity of education or youth care or being a college professor if you don't give a damn about the college students more than you give a damn about offending an administrator. It's real simple for me. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick it, stay. All right, we got a lot of show left, let's just get to it. Before I read these amazing comments, let me remind everyone, okay. Very excited, right? Dragon squad, good news for you. Damage report nominated for a Webby Award in the video news and politics category. Be sure to head over to tyt.com forward slash vote or vote.webbyawards.com. Make it happen, cast your vote with your help. We can win this thing and once you vote make sure you share this on social media, tell your friends and family members to vote as well. Also the watch list, subscribe to the watch list. Watch the big home of J.R. Jackson on youtube.com forward slash watch list TYT. Follow and like on facebook.com forward slash watch TYT. Watch live weekday, weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Find out the stories you need to pay attention to. He covers a lot of ground, news, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. And we gotta go green sale. I love our gold green sales, gear up for 420 and Earth Day. Shop TYT, take 20% off site wide, including your favorite indisputable merchandise. Now shop TYT, shop at TYT.com. Okay, new school lecture, Uh, we got a lecture series, very excited about this. Uh, In partnership with the Institute on Race, Power and Political Economy at the new school, TYT is excited to announce a brand new lecture series on tyt.com called <clears throat> Visions of a Post Neoliberal Future. You got expert leaders, policymakers, journalists, activists, as your professor. You'll learn how you can help build a future economic system that is inclusive, engaging, equal, and progressive. Already, episodes one through three out there now. Shop TY, I'm sorry, go to tyt.com forward slash shows, forward slash new dash school. Um, episode four is coming on Friday, all right, Friday. Let me read some of these comments, uh, okay, B says, Dr. Richard, why is the deputy chief that defended the ATL system still there? It's a good, good question. Also, even though the NYPD told you that they don't do this point system, there is an ongoing lawsuit by black officers against the NYPD suing them due to their quota system. They said they were encouraged to go after brown and black people more. Check on it. I'm familiar with that lawsuit. It, I think it is happening. It's just not programmatic, you know, as far as policy. But it's a culture, and that culture eats policy alive every day. Lynn, freedom of speech does that mean freedom of consequences because of your speech? That's right. Latif says, showing somebody birthday love to one of our dearest members, Gaddy, happy birthday. Gabby, happy birthday, happy birthday Gabby. Uh, Mr. Shadow, uh, this tactic of sitting at a spot where the cops know people can't see and will most likely blow through is a huge safety hazard. I wonder if George DOT knows about it and are ignoring it. Of course they're ignoring it. Um, Portions, okay, good job, Dr. Richie. I'm shocked but very happy that public outcry actually changed the system for the better. We're gonna stay on top of it, all right? Travis C, why do so many people apparently think That black people's bodies are theirs to abuse, yep. Robert 1007, Robert, is it 1007? Yeah, Dr. Richie and all of us helping make change, I love it, that's right. Uh, And I gotta give a big shout out to you, to this production team. Uh, It's a team effort, right? It's a team effort to get things done. All right, one more, Uh, you can tell me, Jess, Breaks my heart even imagining this baby crime. Breaks my heart too. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would.
1: You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In- Sunday? You must feel Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life.
0: Yeah, this is Ricky's shop.
1: This is Ricky's shop.
0: Yeah, yeah. She messed around and found out. It's unfortunate. Now I don't condone violence. Okay, but damn. That caronicity was on a whole nother level. I mean, she was throwing cards and then she graduated to other items. Um, David. <laughs> you know, the, the shopkeeper, okay? <laughs> he does have a responsibility to keep people safe inside of that story. It seemed as if this Karen was not going to listen to reason. Yeah, and so I guess I mean I guess he had to get her out
1: of the store somehow. Maybe it was a little bit rough, but look, we all get angry. We all get angry at certain points about you know maybe the service isn't fast enough, maybe they put cheese on our hamburger we don't want it, whatever it is. Sure, we're all justified at times in being angry, but the difference between between the Karens and the rest of us is that you know if we're angry we just say look you made a mistake here, can you fix it? You don't just start destroying things. The moment you engage in this kind of violence, you start destroying this man's store, throwing things around, breaking things. That's where nobody's gonna get. You any respect. Nobody's going to feel any sympathy for whatever caused you to be triggered. And I just wish, you know, people take a deep breath and think about what is it that made you angry and is there a way you can communicate that in a way that won't escalate
0: things? Yeah. And sometimes just walk away. I mean, walking away would resolve a lot of conflict in this world. And maybe, maybe when you walk away, your clearer head will come to the surface and you'll say, you know what, I'm so glad I walked away because I could have done something that I would have regretted. You gotta remember, this particular care not only engaged in destruction of property, but it was assault. She was throwing the property at someone for physical harm. That is assault, that's battery, all right? So that's a crime. I'm sure whatever the argument was, it definitely did not need that response. A police officer punches a protester at a Black Lives Matter protest. Here's a video. I to touch touch no, no. F- get out of my Get out of my kids' face, Get out of my kids' face, no, no, you're no, no. not. No. Put up this cop's picture. Coward. Pure coward. Let's keep his picture up. Okay. Seth Taylor was the officer who threw the punch you saw at the protester. Taylor was hired by the Wilkinsburg Police Department in 2019. The Pittsburgh Institute for Nonprofit Journalism reports that by ticketing abandoned cars in Wilkinsburg in 2017, Duncan shot a man he had found sleeping in his car after their interaction escalated, okay? The protester who was struck was identified as Vuestro Merced and has been released from police custody according to a Twitter post. All right. Now, I want to say this. Did it seem as if those black women were committing some offense that warranted that kind of tactic? I mean, when are we going to say, as Human beings, we won't tolerate this kind of treatment. The police are for emergencies. What emergency did you see? What emergency did you see? How did that action by that cop enhance public safety? Who did that cop protect? Or was the cop the aggressor? Was the cop the one who was committing a crime? Do we need protection from the police in our public safety conversation? Uh, let's put up the tweet Miracle Esquire MSW. Uh, they are out and safe with uh, with the community. You can su- support them via Cash App, uh, the Cash App is listed there, okay? The protest was held to demand justice, justice for Jim Rogers. The Pittsburgh man, tased several times by city officers until he died. The city of Pittsburgh announced on March 23rd, that it planned to terminate five of the eight officers involved in Mr Rogers death. But said that three of the officers would remain at their job. Prior to the assault, Rogers niece was attempting to speak at the protest. This is her trying to speak. It's a protest, it's a peaceful protest, okay? Walking side by side with protesters. The family of Jim Rogers expressed their concern about police brutality and asked for police accountability. The crowd while small marched several miles with the police escort until they reached Wilkinsburg. At that point, a protest is shared with 11 news that they were met by several police departments, including Wilkinsburg, Swassville, Edgewood and Churchill. They already coordinated. Wilkinsburg police told the crowd to keep it moving or be arrested. And minutes later, that's when the assault took place. So you see what happened here, right? They're protesting, they're marching, they're doing what they can do to bring attention to a death in their community. And multiple police departments have already coordinated, have already planned to be violent against them. You do realize, you do realize this was a small group compared to protests that you typically see around police brutality and misconduct, especially when somebody's life has been exterminated by them. This was their response. Uh, Wilkinsburg mayor um, offered this statement. Let me read it in, in full. This is part of the statement. The footage being shared shows what we do not want to see or experience when a community is expressing uh, its hurt over police sanctioned violence. I've been in touch with the police chief, and our officers' body cameras were on, which will be used to investigate next steps. Um, okay. All right. Uh, some hands need to roll here. Uncalled for. This group. Obviously pose no actual threat to anybody. We talk reform, once again, we gotta talk replacement. New cops are needed, all right? Better cops are needed. David, thoughts on this? Well, looking at the video, it's not
1: just, and looking at the full video, it's not just the officer who threw the punch. There was a commanding officer who first arrived on the scene, and his way of trying to get people away from that intersection was to say, "Oh, there's a demolition of a building that is underway. Yep. And everybody could turn and see that the people who were engaged in the demolition demolition were eating their lunch, they were on their lunch break. And so they were immediately enraged, and it seemed to the demonstrators, no, this is just the police messing with us. And then the officer gets out and gets in their faces and says, you better leave right now and orders things. and and. He De-escalates instead of de-escalating, and then the officer comes around. When there's a scuffle, there's a punch. So again, there, this, it's clear that there are several officers here who need to be disciplined. Perhaps one needs to be fired for throwing the punch. And at a certain point, the officers have to realize it's not a good look when you have a peaceful demonstration against
0: police brutality to engage in police brutality. Yep. Yeah, you're nicer than me, David. They need to go to jail. <laughs> they, they, listen, I'm, here's my thing, and this is why I say that. The people sometimes they think. I'm too hard on cops, here's why I'm hard on cops. If you are a medical doctor and you do something so grossly negligent, I need your penalty to be harsh. Because you have a responsibility and accountability. You have a higher standard of care than the average person. Why? Because you have more public trust placed inside of you than the average person. And to all of the Christians uh, that watch my show, I'm a Christian man myself. That's my faith background. And I say all the time, I have to qualify this because Christians make us look really stupid, Uh, I have to qualify. God gave me a brain before he gave me a book, all right? I'm that kind of Christian, okay? But the Bible does say to whom much is given, much is required, all right? And sometimes that's your ass, all right? Your freedom and everything else. If you have been given a whole lot, you mess it up, a lot is gonna be required of you. And if you have a whole lot and you know what's right to do, do it because the whole much is given, much is required. That's a double-edged sword, it goes both ways. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments and then we will continue. Okay, what we got? Abi uh, said, "Did it, did anyone else notice how the other people were filming that Karen? Like they were filming a wild thing on a safari, as Dr. Richard would say, <laughs> fascinating." <laughs> you are right. <laughs> you are absolutely right. Yeah, good observation. Uh, Justin Warren, I'm sick of the system. I just want our country to look uh, to look like the Scandinavian countries at least. I want rehabilitative justice and for people caught up in the system to be reformed, not broken more. That's right. There's that story. A young man going through a mental health crisis goes to jail. He then is killed by the police. Okay. Let's put up the picture of the young man and the mom. All right. This story. Has a lot of twists and turns. A Wisconsin mother has filed a federal civil lawsuit against the local sheriff's department after her son died in police custody for a mental health crisis. You're looking at Sherry James and her son Malcolm James. A police report shows that James 27 called 911 last May for help because he was suicidal. When the police went to his home, they arrested James on arson. Now, why did they arrest him on arson? Because he he reportedly uh, was setting his clothes on fire, all right? He was trying to kill himself. He was suicidal. Four days later, he was dead inside of the county jail. Let me give you some background to this whole story. Racine County authorities said James was on suicide watch and continuously smashed his head into a concrete wall and died during a medical event in the jail. Now, I got some more context here. During the scuffle, when police were trying to restrain James, a muffled James told officers to get off of him and he could not breathe, okay? They were engaged in physical combat with Mr. James. At one point, Mr. James moved from side to side, while he told officers to get off of him. Another officer joined the other in pressing down on his neck in response to his movement. A total of seven others surrounded James while his neck was restrained for three minutes and six seconds. Two of them tried to remove the taser prongs before they realized that he was unresponsive. Court documents and video show, the video shows James body was limp, when the officers released the hold on his neck. Why are you even using a taser for a mentally ill individual? Where's your humanity? Where's your decency? If somebody tells you they cannot breathe, breathing is important. Why did not one cop, not one, say let's, let's ease up a little here, okay? Now, one. There's more. His autopsy shows uh, he died of uh, asphyxia. No charges have been filed against the officers involved in his death. No surprise there, right? Let me go over the five correctional officers uh, who did this uh, Christian Brindis, Josue Davalos, Justin Goodes, Jonathan Koski, and Michael Sulis. And one sergeant, Justin Brands. Now, remember, the sergeant is the person in charge um, of the Racine County Sheriff's Office. Remain on paid administrative leave. Um, Crystal Christensen, a nurse contracted by the county jail, had her security revoked soon after James' death, an action that essentially terminated her employment. So so they're making responses as if obviously something went horribly wrong here, right? You got people uh, being fired you got the command staff member on administrative leave. You have the other officers that are involved. They are no longer at the department per suspension. His autopsy shows he did die because he couldn't breathe. Just like he said, he said, I can't breathe, autopsy confirmed it. No charges have been filed against the officers. Malcolm's mother, Sherry James, is suing the county sheriff's department, which runs the jail, the deputies and the nurse involved. They are in charge. Uh, that sheriff's office is in charge of all of those entities and the company from where the nurse was outsourced for 20 million. This was a major contract. Let's put up a picture of the sheriff. Uh, Christopher Schmaling, all right? That's the sheriff. He's the guy charged, buck stops with him. Now, where are we at on this case? Okay. Not a whole lot of movement. Not a whole lot of movement. So we're going to try to change that. Remember, They've already arrested a man who tried to kill himself, who should be under a mental health provider rather than the county jail system. But if he's inside of the county jail system, the county jail system then has an actual responsibility to provide medical care, appropriate, proper medical medical care, even if it's health care, even if it's health care. But once again, I'm sure the policy is right on paper. I'm sure on paper, They have this policy that says when this happens, here's the protocol you have to follow. But do you think they followed the protocol? Of course, they did not follow the protocol. They did not follow the protocol and somebody is now dead. That is likely the reason why the contracted nurse was fired. That's likely the reason because protocol did not or was not followed. But here's the other side, when you don't follow protocol and somebody dies, People have to be held accountable to that. There has to be a real penalty for that. And the only time that doesn't happen, David, is when you don't value the life that has been exterminated because of your lack of following the policy. Yeah,
1: and look, I courage to for Mrs. Cheryl James. I mean, I salute her courage and being in yeah. trying to hold everybody accountable in the system. And and you know, I've been to Wisconsin a fair number of times, and and this is another case where the people of Wisconsin are a lot better than the police who represent them. Because I know most people in Wisconsin in the Midwest for that matter, if they had heard of somebody who was suicidal, who was setting themselves on fire, cutting themselves or whatever he was doing, they would would drop what they're doing, go over and say, what can I do to help? Can I give you a hug? Can I help you? Can I escort you to some mental health? And I know a lot of people, if they had been responsible for taking this gentleman after he'd been taken to some sort of institution, instead of putting him on a suicide watch and somehow trying to keep him from banging his head, they would have put him in either a padded cell again, people would have gone out of their way to help him to show some compassion. Instead, I'm gonna bet these were white police officers. They didn't care because this was a young black man who wanted to kill himself. And so they're just like out there, they're troubled by this. And instead of showing compassion and any empathy, they are heartless. And that is not how most people in Wisconsin or the rest of the United States operate, and that is why police are such a problem across the United States.
0: Yeah, just imagine that, brother. Just imagine, your son is suicidal. Police come, okay? He gets arrested. As a as a parent, you're saying, you know, not the best, but at least my son is safe, right? They they, they will at least make sure he doesn't kill himself, and then they end up killing your son. They end up. Killing your suicidal son that you were trying to save. Don't know who this person is. Trying to identify them. Maybe you can help. Here it is. Get off no, of my door. Get off. No, get off of my door. Get off of my door. Get off of my, my door. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Why? Why? Because we black. That's you. What? Because we black. Because you don't fit in the neighborhood. That's why. I mean, you see this. Pretty much. So if I see somebody that's not. That's black. You say that black, black. Let me black. say. This. If you see somebody black, you're going to question this? You if you're going to question you're going to open my door. Let me say this. If I was a crazy dude, if I was crazy, something would have happened to your old ass. To <laughs> you no, no, no. You listen to me. Listen to me. I, listen I got to a gun. Me. If I was listen crazy, me. I'd shoot you. Oh, you shoot me. You Clearly this person is related to Mitch McConnell. Uh, The insanity of this interaction shows the reality of America. Do you know how many people hold the sentiment of that bigoted white male? Many, many do. And if he had a gun on him, this probably would have ended horribly. But he did not have his gun, thankfully. David Thobbs.
1: look I, we should be embracing the diversity. And I would be, you know, thrilled if more minorities moved into my neighborhood. And the idea that there might be somebody in this neighborhood would say, no, no, we don't want people who look different. You don't look like you belong here. That is that is an embarrassment. That is a shame to anybody who's civilized who has an ounce of humanity. And at a certain point. You know, I hate to say it, Maybe that's a generational thing with some people. Uh, eventually, they're gonna die off. and and I just pray that the next generation and, and and subsequent generations are are more open-minded and realize, you know what? By having people who are different than 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 each of us, we are all better. We're not
0: worse. Yeah, and that's the thing, right, brother, that we talk about our strength being in our diversity, that our strength is connected to our ability to come together because of commonality. But at the same time, we are deeply as a nation. We are deeply defined by these racist individuals. as a nation, as a nation. Yeah. And so the country is in a crossroad right now. There's a fork in the road. And I'm not sure exactly which direction this country is going to go in. But I can tell you this brother, I'm going to fight tooth and nail with every a bit of sweat strength and blood I have in me to make sure this country goes in the right direction. Not just for me and the current generation, but for my children and my children's children. They must inherit a better America than we have right now. All right, for my linear audience, that concludes the show. We're going to continue with our streaming audience. Hop on, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.